Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. As we begin uh, this sermon, before we dive into the sermon, I want to share two words with you. And those two words are, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to try something a little different. I know for me, even today, even if this service from last week is only off by half an hour, even my body's a little off. It's almost like it's like daylight savings time combined with the beginning of the school year. Combined. It's, it's a little bit off. Um, but my prayer and hope, like all things, especially if you think about any habits that you have, especially physical fitness, when you trick the body, it awakens new possibilities. And so for over 285 years, 285 years on this corner, followers of Jesus or spiritual seekers like you have gathered in, on this location. And they have tried all kinds of things and all kinds of schedules. In fact, I would wish, even though there's a listing of the pastors in the back of the sanctuary, I would be so fascinated if we could get a historian to go back over 285 years and list all of the different service times and schedules. And all the different reactions to the changes that come with that. And I, would th- I believe wholeheartedly that over the years that this church, from the beginning, has always been willing to try new things to allow as many people as possible to come in contact with the love of God. And that's what we're seeking to do. And so whether it's this service at a different time here at 10 o'clock, whether it's a new Coffee Connections time, which is going throughout the morning down in 100 AB. Anyone, has anyone stopped into 100 AB yet this morning? I invite you to go after the service down there. It is a complete remake, and, and it's a makeover of that room. Um, because our prayer and goal is that, that would become a room that's a little bit more intimate where there could be coffee, conversations, um, announcements will be on the wall, and we have big visions for that room. Stop in after the service, grab a cup of coffee, and, uh, and a bagel as well. A local bagel baker has decided to donate bagels to us for a bunch of weeks going forward. So grab a good Jersey bagel on the way out, we want to facilitate as many opportunities for connections as possible. Um, so with that said, before we, let's just pray before we jump into the sermon um, as we do a hard right-hand turn from that, that shift. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we do ask that you now teach us from your word. We ask that you would give us your love, your grace, and your truth. And that I ask, God, that you would give us all receptive ears to what you want us to hear. Uh, and I pray, that God, that you would encourage us, that you would put your courage into us to do what you're calling us to do based on how you're shaping us, um, and who you're calling us to be. Thank you that we don't have to do it on our own strength, that you give us grace, you give us everything we need, you promise that. And so may we experience that strength and that grace through your word in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're completing our sermon series entitled Life Transforming Hope. And as I began this series a couple weeks ago, we thought, I, I shared about the three words that I've heard more than any other set of words in the last couple of years. And those three words are, I need hope. I need hope. And so uh, say those words with me. I need hope. I'm sure you've shared that with someone in some way in the last couple of years. With so much change, so much happening. And as we face an uncertain f- future, I believe there's a deep longing, even a desperate longing for a sense of hope. And so today, as we've already talked about what it means the last couple weeks, what it means to discover that hope and embrace that hope, today I, I want to share what I believe is the secret to truly experiencing a soul-level hope that God has to offer. 
and it comes ultimately in sharing that hope with others. Um, we've started a couple weeks ago by discovering, talking about what it means to discover the hope of Christ, the life-transforming hope of Christ. We looked at Romans 15, 4 as an example where Scripture has been given to us. The Bible has been given to us as a gift. Where the description there is that everything that's been written down has been written to teach us so that by the endurance of, of the endur- we can receive endurance and encouragement that leads to hope, leads to hope. So scripture is where we could discover the life-transforming hope of Christ. We've also saw how prayer plays a role in discovering the life-transforming hope of Christ. And we looked at Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, where the Apostle Paul prays that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened so that they would know the hope to which they were called. And so to discover hope means to discover, ultimately discover Jesus, and we could discover him in his word and in prayer. Last week we went to the next level and said, okay, it's one thing to discover that hope. How do we embrace it? And we considered the call to action from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, where the Apostle Paul says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And we considered how as we root our lives more and more in the love and grace and truth of Jesus Christ, that we can embrace that hope, that it becomes more real. But it's one thing, again, to know about this hope or even to begin to embrace it. How do we make it come to bear at a soul level? Where we have that soul level assurance, whereas a a biblical description of hope is not just a hope for the best or a wish for the future, but it's ultimately a soul level assurance based on who God is and what he's promised. And it allows us to walk forward into an uncertain future with a sense of proper confidence based on who God is. So how can we actually experience that? How can we actually learn that. Well, it's fascinating. I was thinking about how we learn anything. How does something become real to us? And it's one thing to go from head knowledge to actual experience. Um, and it was fun that uh, this past week I had a chance to go to a back-to-school night uh, for my daughters. And I love going to back-to-school night. I love meeting the teachers, hearing uh, their perspectives on what they're going to teach. And typically I'm thinking, I want to know what my, my daughters are going to be learning. I didn't think that I would actually learn something in the process. As one of the teachers, this, as I was thinking about this sermon, thinking about how does this become real? How does the hope of Christ become real for us? How do we actually learn it and experience it? Up on uh, the whiteboard, he, uh, one of the teachers put the learning pyramid. Uh, one of many examples of a description of how we actually learn. Right, this was, comes from research at the National Training Laboratories in Maine. One of many descriptions of how we learn and, and actually take in and retain knowledge. It's very interesting that as you think about how someone actually retains knowledge uh, based on what's given, uh, from, the passive, uh, from a passive uh, teaching method where a student is simply receiving, uh, this research shows that, that a person only retains 5% of what they hear in a lecture. That doesn't bode well for, for, this, le- for this sermon. <laughs> right, Michael? I mean, you're going to remember five words out of ten that I share, right? So 5%. Um, 10% as you move towards reading. So even if I gave you a manuscript of this sermon and you read through it, 20% for audiovisual, 30% for demonstration. So that's why props typically help key some learning. But then you move from passive teaching methods to participatory teaching methods, and it goes up. It's very interesting, right? As you go to 50%, if you got into a discussion group and actually talked about what was heard in a class, um, and then you move up to 75% when someone practices what's been heard by doing it. But it gets very interesting. When you get to actually teaching and sharing about something, the retention level is 90%. 90%. 
And any of you who have taught or let anything know what this is like, when you actually have to prepare something and teach it, how much you internalize it and it becomes part of who you are. I believe it's because you have to connect the dots. Or you, all the different reasons are not only there, but you have to recall them. And then as you recall them, it becomes more solidified in, in, in your thinking and actually in your being. And all the different disparate thoughts and feelings start to come together and the dots are connected. It happens as you teach. In essence, as you share about it. It makes it real. It makes it come home. Um, so how do we do this when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to hope? If we want to learn and truly experience and truly feel at a soul level the hope of Jesus Christ, it goes beyond just learning about it, going to a class or reading a book or even discussing it. It goes beyond the simple, the initial steps of discovering and even embracing it, but we need to come to a point of sharing it. As we share it, it becomes more real. It takes root in our heart. So how does this actually happen? I don't want to walk us through a path of how that happens, starting with Romans 15, 13, the prayer that we've been considering the last couple of weeks, when the Apostle Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I see in this great prayer, we see first who God is again. He's the God of hope. And that this God of hope fills us. The promise is he fills us with all joy and peace when, as we trust in him. So as we entrust our lives to him, as we lean on him and lean on his promises, that's when he fills us with all joy and peace and, and I believe all the fruit of the spirit. And it doesn't just stay there, it overflows. We then overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God's work, it's what happens. But as we overflow, then what happens? How do people respond to us? This, I believe, if we go to another verse in scripture, we connect the dot here, shows how we can then begin to share and make this real. Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends and follower, his followers, in his first letter in the first century, in chapter 3, verse 15, gives us some insights that will connect to this prayer. Right, as a refresher, Peter's writing this letter to Christians who are under deep persecution. And so those who read this letter were fearing for their lives because of the name of Christ. And so as he read, as he wrote this letter to them, he wanted them to say, don't be scared. Don't be scared to share about the hope that you have. He says in chapter 3, verse 15, he says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Peter starts by saying, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Make him number one. He is Lord. In a world where for them, these early Christians were looking left and looking right and wondering who was going to come after them, who was going to get them. He said, don't focus on them. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Revere him. Lift him up. Put your focus on him. Don't fear others. Trust God. And then in light of that, then he goes on and says, he says, always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. Here, Peter is assuming that as they revere Christ as Lord, or if going back to Romans 15, 13, as they trust in God, that as they overflow with hope, as God works in their life and people see changed lives, that they're gonna have, other people are gonna have questions. They're gonna wonder, what's going on? Why is this different? What's happening? They're gonna ask, why is this the case? There's something clearly different. Uh, now, stepping away from Christian faith, this happens in our lives 
all the time. If there's a, a major change in your life and you have friends or family who know this, they're most likely going to ask questions. What's going on? There's something different. Maybe it's uh, something changes like physically in your life. Maybe you lose weight or you, you change an outfit or you get a new hairstyle that doesn't work for me. But for others it does, right? It's like you, something's different and people notice. They ask questions. Or maybe it's something that you own. Maybe it's thing, if you think about your house, maybe something's been done outside, whether you did it yourself or you hired someone to do it in your lawn and your landscaping looks significantly better. Or maybe interior, you, re, you re, redesign your house or have someone else remodel it for you. Um, and then people see it and they ask questions. Or maybe it's your children or grandchildren in, in our sport, sports culture where all of a sudden someone starts playing really well. Maybe it's in tennis or in lacrosse or soccer and other parents are saying, what's going on here? How are they so much better? Are they getting coaching on the side? Are they getting mentoring? What are they doing? Questions arise. That happens naturally in our lives around all kinds of areas. But what about in terms of our faith? Here Peter is saying that people are going to ask questions. In fact, I believe Peter is calling these Christians to live what I call questionable lives. Questionable lives. Not questionable because they're doing evil or something uh, evil or wrong or they're having suspicious behavior, but questionable in the sense that their lives are eliciting questions of those who see a change, who see this hope that doesn't seem to make sense. I believe Peter's saying to all of us, I believe God is calling us to live questionable lives. Now, that's not going to be our new tagline that goes on the, the corner as everyone drives by New Providence. New Providence Presbyterian Church, living questionable lives. That's not going to be the, the leading uh, new mission statement for our church. But it really is in this passage. We're called to live questionable lives where people wonder, what's going on? Why is that different? Um, I know in my life over the years, people have asked questions, and it's definitely not because I've made things better. It's usually through mistakes that God's made things better. I've had to learn some hard lessons. Like definitely over the years, if you had met me 30 years ago, you would see how hard I was on myself. Like I was just beat myself up, criticized myself, just, just so hard on myself. My, I know a lot of my friends are like, Jeff, you just got to relax. Like, like you got you to you leave perfectionist city and go live in the suburbs. Like, you got to relax. Like, you just take yourself way too seriously. But over the years, some friends have come back saying, wow, Jeff, you've you found a way to relax a little bit. What's going on? And I've had to point to them and say, it's only the work of God. Over the years, realizing and learning that I'm loved by God. I'm forgiven when I mess up by God because of Christ. And I'm accepted by God. And because I'm loved and forgiven and accepted, it just gives me the beginning of a fighting chance to relax a bit and to say it's okay and not be so hard on myself. Just one example. Others have asked me on points, Jeff, how can you be so optimistic in the midst of some challenges? Sometimes your optimism is noxious. Like, what's wrong with you? And uh, I said, well, my response to that is, again, over the years, I've seen God show up in places that didn't seem like it was going to work out or didn't seem to make sense. It's not something I made happen, but God showed up in a very specific way, and I'm, and I'm grateful for that. And because of that, I know he's shown up in the past, and I don't know how it's going to turn out in the future, but I know it's going to turn out in a way that he wants it to turn out. And it's going to be his will and his timing and his way. And it's not easy for me to do that and to let go of control, but when I do, there's a chance for optimism. Um, it's just something that I've had to respond over the years and hasn't come easy. So my question is, what about you? For all of us, though, our, trust, our role is to trust him, to learn to relate to him, and to let him work in our lives and to let him pour his love, grace, and truth into us so that that hope overflows from us. 
And in doing so, then, it leads to a questionable life where someone asks, what's going on? Why is that the case? Um, we're not expected, as, the, as Peter says here, we're expected just to give a reason, not to go into some big theological discourse. I know for years, people have read this verse and said, oh my goodness, we have to always be prepared for a reason for the hope that we have. We need to know all the theology. We need to know the Bible inside and out. We need to memorize Zephaniah and the Old Testament. Like, if I don't have all this done, I can't do, no. Does that stress you out? You just get a little stressed? Yeah, yeah. I got stressed just saying that. No, here Peter's saying, simply just share about your experiences what God's done in your life or what you've seen God do in someone else's life. Um, not in a way, as he goes on in the end of the verse, he says, not, not in a way with arrogance, but with gentleness and respect. If someone brings a question, right, don't turn on them and, and act like a lot of people out there think Christians are gonna act, which is to be arrogant and shove it in their face. No, with gentleness and respect, Peter says, simply share from your experience what you've gone through, what you've learned. And even if the answer is, I don't know, that's okay too. Uh, it's good to have humility, and when you don't have an answer, to say, I simply don't know. I just know something's different. Just to be a witness, that great word that's used sometimes, it's misconstrued and, uh, for Christians, that to be a witness simply means to, to share from your experiences and what you know. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, it's the invitation that's here in this passage and other places in Scripture. And so, level setting, right? The calling of any church, I believe, is to help people to discover, embrace, and share the life-transforming hope of Jesus together. And so again, to discover and embrace is not just head knowledge. If you really want to know the hope of God at a soul level, to have that soul level assurance that can enable you to face an uncertain future with proper confidence. Yes, we have to learn about it. Yes, we have to embrace it. But the next step is to share it. And even if it's simply saying, it's because of God I can just wake up the next day knowing I'm not alone. Something, whatever it is for you, to have that ready for when someone asks. Because um, it's as we share it, I believe that's when it becomes real. Just like learning, we can learn about things on that pyramid, but it's when you get down to that teaching and sharing, that's when 90%'s retained. It's not just retained in the head, but also in the heart and in your entire being. So if you want to have a deeper experience of the hope of Christ, I believe we need to begin slow, small and ask God, where have I received hope from you? Where have you worked in my life? Start small. And if you don't have an answer to that, that's okay too. Some of you are here and you're spiritual seekers or, or you've, maybe you've walked away from God and you've come back today or you're ch checking in with us online. I'm grateful that you've checked in with us online. You're welcome here to explore and try and find what that is. If you don't have an answer to that question, that's okay. Bring that to God. Say, God, I don't have any hope. I don't know what to do. And see what he says to that. And see what comes about as you go throughout your days and as you look to him. Especially if there's one area where you need hope. Bring that. Try it again. Try God again. And say, help me to have hope in that area. And then as you share it, see what happens as that hope becomes more real. As you share that hope, it's like a spiritual muscle. As you use that spiritual muscle over and over, it strengthens that muscle that becomes more hope-filled as you do. So as we finish, I want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do, and some questions for reflection. The one thing to remember is this. God pours his hope into us as we trust in him so that we can share about this hope with others and therefore then deepen our experience of it in the process. I said, yes, God wants to give you hope. I believe that's true. 
But it's just like everything else that God gives to us. It's not just for ourselves. It's ultimately then to be passed on and shared. And as we pass on share, as that grace flows to us and through us, as that hope comes to us and then out to others, we can deepen that experience of hope as we do. What's one thing to do? Start by identifying a specific reason why you have hope in light of Jesus and God's work in your life. And then ask him to give you an opportunity to share about that hope with someone this week. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. It could just be something small. But start by identifying one reason why you have hope. And again, going back to what I said before, if you don't have a reason, that's okay. Be honest with God about that. Say, God, right now I don't have a lot of hope. I need hope. I need a reason. Please give me one. And just be bold enough and honest enough for God to, ask, ask that, to have that prayer and see what he does with it. But if and when you do have something, be ready to share about it. Simply say this is how God has worked in your life. Some questions for reflection to go deeper on it. What's an example of something positive in your life that you share with others when asked about it? Keep it general first. What are the, I mentioned some examples before in terms of maybe it's your house or your kid, something, that, something where people tend to ask questions about. What's something positive in your life? Number two, what's different in your life because of God, his promises, and his care for you? That's, that's a good way to kind of mine the story of your life to see... Um, where God's been at work. Number three, how could sharing about the hope that you have because of Christ deepen your experience of that hope? Right, coming back to that learning pyramid, and as you teach it and share it, how could that deepen your understanding and experience of that hope? As we finish, I want to finish with that great prayer again from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I invite you to come back next week as we start a new sermon series. It's going to be called This is Essential. In a world where we're pulled in all different directions and we're not sure where to go, we're going to be looking at what's, what are the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. Um, we're going to start that in October, go all the way through until Advent. And we're going to be looking at what are the key truths of Christianity. Um, and with that, we're going to have ample space for questions and doubts but really going through and saying, what's essential? Um, and, this, and as we do, uh, my prayer is that it will ground us and reset us as a church family as we head into that Christmas season looking to the hope of Christ. Um, so look for that next week starting. It's called This is Essential. We'll be rooted in the essential tenets that are outlined by our denomination, ECO, and we'll be walking through that uh, bit by bit. Um, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of the hope of Christ that you offer. Um, and so, Lord, I ask that you would make that more real to each and every single one of us. God, that each and every single one of us would learn more and more what it means to discover that hope and embrace it and then take that step of sharing it. God, I pray for every person who's heard this message, whether today or online or sometime in the future, Lord, that you would show them a reason for hope. And if they don't have one, God, that they'd be honest with you about that that you would give them hope in whatever they're facing today, right now. And I do pray for an opportunity, Lord, as a watching world wonders about you, God, and asks a question, help us, Lord, to have the courage to simply share about what we've experienced. And in doing so, Lord, help us to see how that deepens our understanding of the hope that you've given to us. May that gift be given to all of us and help us to have the courage to open that gift with your help and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.